um, I spoke a few weeks ago about the, um, how we reflect on Jeremiah 29.11. Uh, it's the verse that God has plans to prosper you and to, for your welfare, not to harm you. Um, but equally, that while there are these grand plans for us in life uh, around what God is transforming us into, there's also a role for us to reflect on where we are right now and what lessons or what transformations God could be bringing out of our present situation um, to build in us the character of God and the fruits of the Spirit. In theory, we're meant to be resting easy in our lives, right? Because we have this incredible hope and certainty about the future to come and so that we're confidently choosing the godly path in every situation. That's the theory. The practice is that staring into the future can sometimes be a pretty terrifying proposition. And so today I want to spend a bit of time talking about um, facing the future. Because the reality is we live in a world that is grappling with the takeover of social media. Right? It's in um, cities which are racked with um, financial stresses and uh, income inequalities. We're living in communities where... Um, 63% of people in Australia suffer either anxiety, obesity or depression. Uh, people are stressed, people are unhappy and when it comes to keeping up with change, uh, surveys suggest fewer and fewer people are actually looking to the future with hope and optimism, which is, is heartbreaking to, to reflect on. But even for Christians, sometimes looking into the future can be a very um, daunting task. And one of the most common questions I'd say I get asked and gets asked in churches these days is, how do I know what I'm doing is the right thing? How do I know I've chosen the right path? How do I know that I'm on the right track? And where, for the love of God, is my own personal burning bush telling me what I'm meant to be doing right now with crystal clarity beyond all doubt? For most of us, our natural inclination is to plan. It's to be pretty precise. It's to, it's to risk manage, you know, that idea of planning ahead to get ahead. And that involves some level of wanting to understand exactly what the future holds for us, especially when it comes to our finances. Becoming an adult, we're told, means you start setting measurable goals that you can track towards. You, know, you need to have a vision for your life, a, a career, and yet the very principle of faith means you're trusting in something which is unseen, something which is unknown and unknowable. So today I want to spend a bit of time just really reflecting on how we face the future in that light, how we reconcile this incredible and certain hope in God while dealing with these very real challenges day to day that as much effort as we put into it, we can simply never fully understand or know. <coughs> we often pray for God to, uh, to give us that peace that transcends all understanding. And yet I think if we were honest with ourselves, we'd say, we'd like to understand it just a little bit. Right? I want to start with a, a, what I think is a good story that um, does a good job of making clear what it means to be a Christian in terms of that future sense. Uh, and it's from Luke chapter 9, right at the end, when Jesus is just finishing his ministry in Galilee and he's about to make the final journey to Jerusalem. And he stops off as he goes through in a, a village in Samaria. Um, I'm going to jump around a bit, but it's unpacking Luke chapter 9, verses 1 to 
verses 52 to 62. And effectively, he's just finished his ministry, he's fed the 5,000, has an enormous following, uh, he's making his way back to Jerusalem for the final passion and, uh, and sacrifice. And as he was going through Samaria, he couldn't find a place for lodgings. And that in itself is not particularly exceptional. Yeah. Maybe where Jews and Samaritans did not have a particularly healthy relationship with one another. Um, it's only a little bit weird because Jesus himself actually did have somewhat of a good reputation. Um, this is the point in the in the gospel where Jesus has spoken to the Samaritan woman at the well, the one who had five husbands, and he said, go and sin no more. Um, so he did actually have a, a pretty good reputation with some villagers. But nevertheless, he was turned away as he went through. And um, just as a, an interesting side note, his, uh, his disciples, James and John at the time, they were particularly furious about what's happened. So, I mean, he's, Jesus has just gone on this incredible ministry, preaching love, preaching compassion, and two of his disciples turn around and say, do you want us to do an Elijah? We'll call down fire from heaven right now and wipe them. He's like, what are you doing? No, no, stop. But it's the next part that's really important and that tells us a bit about what it means to be a Christian looking into the future. Um, someone on the road, um, three people ultimately approach Jesus on the road and say they want to follow him. And it's the first one that I think is really interesting. He, the guy says, I want to follow you. And Jesus responds in verse 58 that foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And I mean, this is, this is literally true. Jesus has just been denied a roof for the night to stay. But more than this literal statement is the implied statement that comes with it. And it's that following Jesus means you need to bear some degree of uncertainty in your life. You may not always have a place to rest your head. Not knowing how God will provide, but nevertheless trusting He will provide what you need, not what you want. And so He says in this, this message here um, that foxes and birds may be able to settle they. Uh, animals, people who don't know Christ may be able to find some corner of the earth to call their own. But being a follower of Christ means choosing a path where you may never have material comforts or material certainty. And he's emphasising that the end goal is to be redeemed to Christ in heaven for eternity. It's not to have a comfortable life for the 80 years on this earth. And it, it that's something that I think we can intellectually accept, but emotionally accepting for Christians is, um, is a different issue altogether. And it seems James really learned this lesson. He's gone from um, wanting to call down fire upon this poor village who just had no room um, to write himself in James chapter 4, 13 to 15. He says, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? This is a little bit harsh, James. You are a mist that appears for a while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. So when it comes to facing the future, I think the first point I want to make is that um, we need to remind ourselves daily, um, hourly, if necessary, that following Christ doesn't mean we never have to deal with tough choices. 
It doesn't mean that um, if we reach a certain level of spiritual maturity, we'll all of a sudden have a smooth and easy life ahead of us, um, or that we'll never face stresses and disaster and tragedy in what we deal with. By choosing to follow Christ, we are choosing that eternal story of transformation. And that means we need to embrace the fact that our earthly life will have uncertainties. And whatever we may reach in our lives, it's the spiritual, it's the, it's the heavenly aspect that is certain, not our earthly one. And so I, I want to share a, a personal story about um, how, you, how you reconcile those two. Um, I think it's particularly relevant on Father's Day. You know how sometimes you have it really tough? You go, like, this is the Goliath of my life. I, I'm struggling, I'm fighting, I'm making my way through it. And you come out the other side and then a day, a month, ten years later, you face another Goliath and you're like, what was I even thinking? This is nothing by comparison. Um, and you get a bit terrified because you go, if this is the step up, if these are the challenges I continue to face... God, are you sure I'm equipped to deal with this? For me, it was, um, it was my dad um, who was diagnosed with fairly extensive bowel cancer about 15 months ago. Um, at the time, Henry, my own son, was about eight months old. And that was one of those Goliaths that you face in your life that puts everything else, it pales in comparison to those sort of challenges that you'd faced before. You know, by comparison, all of those um, uncertainties I'd faced were, you know, should I take that job offer? Um, was this the church for me? Can I justify eating a whole pizza without any consequences? Like, they were the magnitude of challenges in reality I'd been facing before. But when my dad got sick, it was this entirely different level of uncertainty and anxiety about the future. See, I'd always had this, this trusted advisor I could lean on, um, ask questions to follow. Um, my folks are at the, the centre of our extended family. I've got something like 40-plus first cousins. Um, and all those branches seem to look to my folks for guidance and support and financial bailouts from time to time. Um, and I felt like I had all these questions myself about being a dad that I'd never unpacked, I'd never had a chance to, to gauge or ask questions about. And so I, I felt that th I was in this situation where I had this immense trust in God that whatever was going to come to pass would be God's will and that that was fine. I, I knew what was coming and that we'd be reconciled eventually, but trying to deal with the day-to-day -day uncertainties and anxieties that came out of that, um, it was a, a Goliath unlike anything I'd faced before and and one of the, the books I, I go to to reflect and to um, pray against quite often is the book of Joshua, um, being named for Joshua. Um, and look, I, I think it's one of those books where every time I look at it, you, I find something new out of it. Um, it's a, about this, this guy who has just the most classic case of having enormous shoes to fill, right? He was literally being asked to take over from the guy who was trained in statesmanship and politics and warfare at the palace of the Pharaoh, um, someone who had literally led the Israelites out of centuries of oppression, had caused uh, food to rain down from heaven and, and led them through these battles. And not only did he need to 
to step into those shoes, but he needed to take back the land of Israel. And they'd just gone in and had spies and said, these are giants in here. This is going to be so far beyond anything we've faced before. That was the situation he's walked into. So for me, reflecting on it and praying about it, I went, you know, in my mind was this, this all-powerful hero, this all-wise leader who is suddenly at risk of being gone. Uh, and all of a sudden, I would be left as the adult and having to make these decisions and choices in life um, that I had this spiritual certainty about, but the practical challenges were, seemed to be overwhelming. And much like the Israelites of old, um, my family are not an easy tribe to lead, all right? Especially not through any sort of metaphorical desert. Um, and it was, again, I knew that reflecting on Jeremiah 29, that God had plans to prosper me and that, again, it was his will. But um, there's this overwhelming sense, I think, that can grab us at times of, well, what if I make the wrong choice here? What if I make a mistake? Uh, what if I make a bad call or give a bad bit of advice? So I want to have a look um, just briefly at uh, Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. So I think there's, there's three lessons here that I really want to share with you today. It says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them. To the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert in Lebanon and from the great river the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. There's three things I, I want to leave you with today as you, you go out into your own world and face your own Goliaths and try and figure out how to practically face the future um, from a Christian perspective. And the first one is the, the first promise that God makes uh, to Joshua here. And that's, every place upon which your foot treads, I have given to you. So being courageous doesn't mean shrinking from a challenge. Uh, it means not being paralysed with fear, not living in a state of constantly reacting to the world around us, becoming um, angry or disappointed or vengeful and somehow trying to seek a, a return to the safety of the past, this you know, romanticised old times that we think about. We need to have confidence that even though we are pressing into a future that is completely unknown to us, it is completely known to God. That's the first part of our journey. The path he's called you upon has been meticulously designed for you to grow you, reform you, refine you and transform you back into the perfect child that God wants you to be. And even though it feels like you're stepping into darkness or you're at, <coughs> or you're at a crossroads with you know, 42,000 different choices to choose from. Um, whatever choice you make, provided it's made by reflecting on God's character, it's already been given over to you to conquer. And that's an incredible promise that you can take into any part of your life. I look at Philippians chapter 3, 13 to 14, which says this, 
Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it on my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Number two is this. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Because being strong doesn't mean never losing a battle. Um, It's a a very tragic part of living in a a fallen world. It does mean being resilient enough and learning from your mistakes, bouncing back and fighting the next battle and the next battle and the next battle and the one after that and the one after that such that you may win the war. It can be tempting, and I, I know I fall into the trap sometimes myself, that thinking about um, uh, walking a godly path must mean smooth sailing. Um, and that if we don't have smooth sailing, that somehow we've forgotten to pray enough or tithe enough or volunteer enough. Some deficiency of us is the reason that we're facing these challenges, and that is not always the case. In the case of Joshua, as is the case of almost every other scriptural prophet, He knew the immense challenges he was going to face. He knew that living in this world meant dealing with anger. It meant dealing with people who were trying to pull him down, with opposition, with famine, with drought. But he knew that in each of these, God would give him a way to learn from it, to grow from it, to build through it, and to serve as a beacon of hope through it. It may not have been pleasant, and certainly in the case of Joshua, it may not have even been comprehensible most of the time. I mean, what... What if God was to tell you to walk around your boss's office seven times, screaming? I mean, it doesn't make sense, but it is the way of growing through in that faith. Uh, And then look to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and this is from the Message Version. It's a reminder that no test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He will never let you be pushed beyond the limit. He will always be there to help you come through it. And the final promise that God made there and that I I really take away and reflect on moving into the future is, is one to reflect on, I think, in every stage of our lives, every path, every choice we make. And it's that just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. All right. As Joe prayed this morning, even though it may feel sometimes like we can't hear it, even though we beg and plead for the burning bush to give us the exact message that we need to be taking forward, um, God is one prayer away from us. And even if it doesn't seem like he's speaking articulately right into our situation, he's moving 10,000 pieces around us to grow us, to refine us, to reform us, to bring us back into relationship with him. He has not abandoned us. Above all else, remember this, that however, <coughs> however quiet his voice may be, however much you may plead with him in prayer and, and occasionally hear nothing back, if you have invited him into your life, he is with you. Paul Tripper, a US pastor, said that we can sometimes forget that God's primary goal is not changing our circumstances or relationships, 
so that we can be happy. But changing us through our situations and our relationships so that we will be holy. That is God's objective for our lives. And so just because we are in a temporary moment of hardship and it feels like we're staring into the abyss, this dark unknown ahead of us, this future with uncertainties and anxieties and uh, questions that we just can't resolve, doesn't mean that God has abandoned us. It doesn't mean that we've made the wrong decision, that we're necessarily bad people or we've gone the wrong path. His goal is to redeem us. And if you've invited him into your life, then he's with you and he's fighting alongside you and he's screaming back to you to listen to him, to only be strong and be courageous. One verse I really want to leave you with today is from Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. And this is again from the message version. It says, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. I use that version because the others are a bit more blunt. That tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Don't focus on them right now. Focus on being present with God. What's he telling you in this moment? Where's he leading you towards? What's he growing you through? The opening chapter of Joshua says several times, have I not commanded you? Be strong and be courageous. It's a prayer I pray over my son Henry every night. It's my prayer for him as he grows and starts to face the future and tries to make some sort of sense of this crazy world. And it's my prayer for you today. We only need to be strong and be courageous. And he will take us through the rest. Why don't we stand and pray? Heavenly Father, you are so, so good. Lord, we trust in you, but it is hard sometimes. Lord, forgive us for our doubts. Lord, we are creatures of habit. We are creatures who struggle with day-to-day anxieties. Lord, forgive us that. Lord, stir in our hearts a heart of trust, a heart of faith in you, certainty in the belief that you will come again certain trust in the fact that your blood was enough and for and has forever broken the hold of the chains of death against our lives Lord let us be courageous going out into this world you've promised that the very gates of hell will not stand against us Lord stir in us the heart of a hero Lord, help us to go out confidently in the world knowing that no demon, no power, no principality has any control over us these days by your stripes, by your blood that you have broken us free of this world. Lord, remind us that we don't need to have all the answers because you do. Remind us that we don't need to have all the designs, all the plans, all the processes in place because you do. stir in our hearts a memory a longing to return to you a desire that in every step we take that we first reflect on you on your will on your ways 
Lord, through that insight, through that reflection, through that longing to return to you, that we will step confidently into lands you have already given over to us to conquer. Lord, we pray to you today as the supreme architect of this universe. We trust in you. We lean in you. As we face the future, we ask that you walk with us again as you promised every step of our lives. Church, if you're in a part of your life right now where you're feeling just overwhelmed by anxiety, if, if you feel like you're in a place where the darkness just seems too dark and you're, you just need a, a very tangible reminder that God is with you, I want to pray with you today. If you're in a part of your life where you've, you've been struggling with connecting with God, where you just feel like the darkness is just too lonely at the moment and you're not sure that God is with you or you just want to invite him into your life to say, Lord, I need your light to go ahead of me. I need your armies to go ahead of me right now. Lord, I want you back in my life. I accept you in and I want to pray with you today because there is nothing more powerful in this universe than accepting Christ Jesus into your heart because then you have the Alpha and the Omega. You have every step of the process coming into you, coming alongside you, fighting for you, growing you, providing for you. That is such a transformative event in your life. That's you today. If you just want some prayer, just with every uh, eyes closed and every head bowed, just raise your hand. I really just want that to be a prayer for you today, to be strong and courageous, for God to come into your life, to hold you close, to whisper in your ear and remind you that He is with you, that He has not abandoned you, that He has given all this over to you to conquer. We pray all this through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amazing. What a great word and a great reminder for Father's Day. Um, Thank you so much, Josh, for sharing that with us this morning. Awesome. Well, have a fantastic week. Happy Father's Day to all of our dads. Hope you're super blessed for the rest of the day today. If you're new with us, we'd love to meet with you after the service in our foyer and we'll give you a free coffee. We also have a, um, a photo wall. So make sure you take a photo with your dad in front of the photo wall, hold up some of the signs and tag us on Instagram and Facebook as well. We'd love to see your pics as well from today. But be blessed, church. Have a wonderful, wonderful week and we'll see you next week.
I'll say 